Hello and welcome back to another episode of the In and Around Pod. I am one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Sports Media's number one John Linton correspondent, Mr. Mike Breslin. Hi, Will. How's it going? Not bad. Mike, let's get it out of the way early. Give me the Joel Linton report. Well, it's, it was a wonderful assist, wasn't it, from Joel Linton this weekend. Friday, He lit up Friday night football. Um, got it across to some maximum. Some nice work from him. But it was all about the assist, wasn't it? What a pass. Uh, I, I think I may. I can't remember if I said this on the pod, but last week. But when uh, Pogba got. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. You when did, Pogba yeah. Missed for the Fernandez goal. It was kind of like that, wasn't it? It really was, yeah. What's really funny is two people text me saying, does Mike know that John Linton got the assist? I was like, of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, Yeah, I was once again at a festival this weekend, but I did not miss the Joel Linton assist. Don't worry, everyone. No, no. <laughs> um, and uh, also joining us is the Mosley Marauder, Mr David Harris. Dave, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for this lovely nickname that I've got running every week. <laughs> Well, we could go back to coming. No, up no, 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 no. I actually don't just for me to say I don't mind it, which means next week tune in for a horror nickname, ladies Getting and gentlemen. Dangerous. Guns. Getting dangerous. Dangerous, Dave. There you are. So mm. we've got a um, kind of a lot to get through this week. Lots of little topics, and um, one of the topics is Brighton. So if you're um, playing in and around bingo, get ready to knock off quite a few there, including. Well, if you're um, ready to hear any other topics, you might as well turn <laughs> yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. uh, honestly it's just every time someone's like oh should we talk about Brighton I just think to myself oh we will be there for hours hours um but let's actually start with um not the game but two in I want to talk about two incidents in West Ham versus Man United yes because the game I think it was United season in a nutshell because it was it was all over the place troubles with midfield progression and Eventually, Ronaldo scored and sorted it all out. But I wanted to talk quickly about the decision to bring on Mark Noble um, to take a penalty um, in the last minute after it had been given for handball. Because on paper, Mark Noble's got a hell of a record. um, Mm. And David De Gea, conversely, has a terrible record at saving them. So it it appears like a, a good idea. What do you make of the whole concept of bringing on specialist penalty takers to take them oh. in these situations in penalty shootouts, etc. I think it's, I think it's just nonsense if you're going to bring them on in that circumstance, just because for example, if it's like an extra time scenario and you bring them on for maybe a half, so they've got a bit of time to warm up before taking a pen. It's totally different. If you're bringing a guy on who hasn't warmed up, because let's be honest. Yeah. He's warmed up on the sideline. He's not, did you see he's not had any... get on about when the penalty was? He's still yeah, he's not. There's like no match, match awareness and stuff, and then asking them to come on and take a penalty. I mean, let's be honest, we basically saw the same at the Euros. We uh, Southgate gave pens to guys who hadn't really played, didn't go particularly well. I think it's a big ask anyway of a penalty taker to come on. But if you're going to bring them on, at least bring them on a few minutes before. I mean, admittedly, in a league game, you can't ever anticipate getting a penalty. So it's different to a penalty shootout. But I think it's just it's just nonsense. I mean, Declan Rice picked up the ball and he looked confident to me. I know that West Ham prior to this already had a bad pen record. I think they missed four or five. But Declan Rice he, has scored one Rice, this one in his career. Rice... 
Yeah, but if if you've got a player out there, yeah, he's what it is. Picking up the ball, wanting to take it, let them take it. Don't bring some other guy on who's done like you know. Fair play to Mark Noble. He's got a great record. But he literally hadn't even warmed up, and he's straight on to take a game deciding penalty. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Mike, what do you think? I actually don't mind it. No, I don't either. I I think it's been totally overblown just because he missed the penalty. Yeah. I I. His record is unbelievable, and you're against the keeper that is not good at saving penalties either. He just happened yeah. to go the right way. It wasn't a good penalty either, in fairness, and maybe that's because he hasn't warmed up or whatever. But I I just think you've got to put your best people in the best situation. Maybe yeah. it's not quite the best situation, but he's your penalty taker. And if, like, you were, like Dave said, in a league game, you can't bring him on two minutes before knowing you're going to get a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. I don't but, know, I feel like you've got to have your best taker take the crunch penalties, and that would, in my opinion, was one. A lot of my, I understand the argument. I know lot, what people are saying. but I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that he missed. Like, cause it, and it's the, same with, um, it's the same with the Southgate thing at the World Cup. It, like, I, I think of the Louis Van, Louis Van Gaal and Tuchel's decision to change keepers for penalty shootouts. And after they've worked, and they've basically taken out a, pe- a keeper that's not great at saving penalties to replace them with a a keeper that is great at saving penalties. And when it worked, everyone was like, oh, what a genius move. If Mark Noble had come off the bench to Swaz in this penalty to save, a, to save a point for West Ham, we'd be sitting here going, that's inspired by David Moyes, wouldn't we? At least if I we think go off we Rice's record, he had a 50% chance of missing. Yeah, to me, it's a no-brainer. The more interesting thing is, I think, is we're seeing this more and more that in these situations like this, that people are making a decision to go with the maths, for example. But you see it in, like, I think in the NFL all the time, that kickers, before they come on, practice with, like, little side nets. I was, wonder- I was wondering, do you reckon that we're going to start seeing that on the touchline a few side, a few nets or something, just so people can get a feel for actually hitting the ball before coming on? It's not a bad idea. I don't... There's got... There's room at most grounds for it, I'd have thought. Yeah. Especially Premier League grounds. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah, I just, it would help in that sort of situation, wouldn't it? It's just interesting because like, every team's got a set-piece coach now and we all thought that was ridiculous a few years ago. Things are getting a lot more Americanized, and clearly, as you just said, that they're using the stats and the stats would say bring on uh, Mark Noble, I'd have thought, in that situation. Yeah, they will do. Dave? I just have visions of a manager being like, oh, Christ, we need this bloke to take a penalty as he plays his four over the bar in the training net and he reverses his decision. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> it no, no I, no, I agree that possibly this has been overblown because he missed. I do, however, think whatever the outcome, whether it's good or, or not, I think it's particularly unfair on the actual player. That's my thing with it. Well, if yeah, if Noble just... scores, fair play, it comes off. But I think it's, I find it a bit unfair to bring someone on to put them straight under that pressure. Maybe that's just, maybe that's just me defending footballers too much in terms of what people expect from them. But I just think it's a little bit nonsense to think ask someone to take such a decisive pen holds... with literally no warm up. That holds weight for me with the argument over the Euros when. Southgate asked a lot of younger lads to come on and take a penalty. Like Mark Noble's 
34 years of age, played a lot of Premier League minutes for West Ham, has scored a lot of penalties. Like, I don't think pressure was really affecting him here. I think it was more that he was just shit and he wasn't warmed up. It wasn't a good penalty at all. It was a shit pen. Like, it was a good eye for him. I, people are saying Rice should have taken it, but he played 92 minutes. Do we not think he, his legs were a bit tired? Yeah, you don't hit the ball as well when you're exhausted. Surely. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. I, yeah. yeah, I think, I personally think it's been a bit wild oh, overblown. The, uh, the Sky stuff was quite hilarious, watching some of that reaction after that. Shock, Sunas overreacted. What does a guy not overreacting? <laughs> Sunas and Keane in the studio and you want a balance take, I'm not sure. Um, the amount of heated debate uh, <laughs> videos that have been popping up on my YouTube today has been great. Heated debate, heated debate. Um, speaking of heated debate, um, Mike, on our little list of things to talk about, you've got scrap VAR. So me and you are going to argue again. Go and take it, take it away. Uh, did you watch any of the football this weekend? I did, I did, I did. What the fuck are they doing? I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. That's not what I can... I, I just... <laughs> the way, It was the West Ham game again that did it for me. When, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's been plenty this weekend. You've got well, the... the Vestergaard one too. The Le- yeah, the Leicester one, Leicester-Brighton one, which I guess will... Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. But I, I can't understand how Ronaldo doesn't get the penalty. I can't understand one, how... Maybe two out of the three that he's gone down for. I, I think uh, Wambasaka should have given away a penalty to West Ham yep. earlier yep. in the game as well. Absolutely. Yeah. A but was, I, I was like, I looked at that. I'm like, the only way I can understand that this hasn't been given is if Suchet was offside. But they didn't. But he wasn't. But he wasn't offside. So that that should have been a penalty to me. But I thought the Zuma one and Ronaldo. I was like, that is a stonewaller. And they checked it. Yeah. And they didn't find an obvious error. And I'm like, I'm like, you can keep. To be honest. I, I, like VAR is VAR is what it is. Like you can agree if you should have technology in football, all it is. But it's the same. At the end of the day, it's it's the people you like. If someone shoots someone, it's not the fault of the gun. It's the fault of the bloke behind the gun. And it's same with VAR every week. These referees, these people in Stockley Park, they just they just don't have a clue what they're doing. They just don't have a they don't have a clue. Like how can you watch that Kurt Zuma thing and not think that's a, not a clear and obvious error of the person on the pitch? How can yeah, you watch the Wampasaka one and not think it? Like I, I just think they're not. And there are a lot of well ref matches, but it just strikes me as not being fit for purpose. How, how did they overturn the Kyle Walker one? I yeah. Oh my it. word. But like There's that's been so many this weekend that are just baffling. You just that, don't understand how they got to that decision. That's like the 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 Carl Walker one's ridiculous because it's it's but it's simultaneously a good use of VAR to go turn around and go well actually it's double jeopardy so it can't be a red card and a penalty but they turn around and went oh it's not a red card or a penalty I'm like well it's certainly one of them lads like (laughs) who was on that game I don't know. It doesn't even matter anymore. They're all it doesn't good. matter. Yeah, all it crap. does matter. Anthony Taylor's far worse than the rest of them. That's what I, I've been trying to back him for years, and I just can't anymore. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I, you watch the Champions League, and I think on the whole, the Champions League is refed pretty well, and I think they've got their use of VAR. Dece- is decent. It's not John perfect. Moss was the ref? That, that oh, there you are. Yeah, John Moss is John, Dro- John Dross. To be honest. Christ. You want to talk about someone who's not fit for purpose, John John Moss. I think I'm quicker than John Moss. Um, 
And I'm not trying to keep. I'm trying to keep up with Dave, let alone Premier League footballers. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought everyone was like, "Oh, Var's terrible." I'm like, I was just sat here like, "Oh, every time I'm like the referees in this league, what happened? They used to be good." Oh, I yeah. don't know what happened. They went to Qatar. Uh, well, to be honest, Fergie, Fergie left, and he still, still, their pockets all became a bit lighter, so they decided to stop bothering. <laughs> 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 yeah, but yeah, maybe it's not VAR that I'm angry at, but I just some of the decisions that happened this weekend, I'm like, what are you actually serious? What yeah. are you doing here? Yeah. Shall we um we've got written down here are Brighton and, and Leicester. So I think it's probably a time to talk about both. Let's start with the, the Vestergaard decision. Um Oh my god. Can anyone explain why it was given and what happened? Um I no. can explain what happened, but I can't explain why it was given. Uh, the corner comes in, the the Brighton lads step up with the corner. I think it gets headed by Vestergaard mm-hmm. towards goal. Barnes is offside, except he's not in the keeper's eye line. So the header goes past Sanchez, who was never going to save it anyway. Yeah. Um, and they say that Barnes is, is interfering with play by getting in Sanchez's eye line, I, I believe is the how they came to that decision. But... But just for if you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. But but he's about a yard, maybe more, out of the way of of the eye line. It, he's yeah, out of the way of the ball or the, his eye line, and Sanchez is yeah. not going to ever save it. Baffling. Uh, really sorry, baffling. I, I, I can't I can't give you that. I also think Leicester should have had probably had a penalty in that game too. Was it that game? Or yep, it was that game. Yeah. I was looking to Brendan Rodgers on match of the day too last night when I got in. Just look at the beard. Like, You're actually right for once. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful chance. <laughs> yeah, That's for Brendan Rodgers. That's for Brendan Rodgers. Um, let's use that game as a jumping off point though. So, doesn't feel like there's a lot to take from that, although the apart from the actual result, because it felt to me that the um, watching the highlights, it felt to me like it was pretty harsh on Leicester. Two weeks running, to be honest, it'd be pretty harsh on Leicester. Yeah. Um, let's start with Brighton, because why not, you know? <laughs> so I'm going to try and some. I'm going to try and sum up the story of Brighton's season last year. Mm-hmm. Played really well. Won the XG battle practically every week. Could not, for the love of God, put the ball in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Bit of dodgy keeping at times meant that the ball went in there and a few more times and it did. It should have done. A lot of variance, a lot of long a lot of long range goals flying in, a lot of deflective efforts which sort of meant that Brighton were in a bad thing. And then throughout all of this, everyone who watched them sat there and went, you know what, I think Brighton might be a good side. Mm. So they're currently third. Where, what's your take on their start, the start of the season? Is this just like a reversion to the mean in that they're actually just finishing everything they should be finishing like they weren't before? Or do you think they're actually a, not a third? Because I don't think anyone believes they're third. But do you think they are actually a really, really good team? Um, I think after the Chelsea game, sorry, they're actually fourth now. But still, 12 from, 12 from 15... Uh, points. You can't really, can't really argue with that for a start. You know who's top of the league, Dave? 
just well, it's it's the team that knocked them down to fourth. Well, um, <laughs> and it's one with a blue badge that isn't is. Liverpool or Man United. Well, neither of neither of them. No, I know, <laughs> I know. Badges. I'm just look. I'm just saying, just in case okay. anyone was Sorry. wondering. Sorry. Um, I think with Brighton, it's it's obviously a really good start. However, the only result I've been quite impressed with was was the Everton game. Just because Everton have also started pretty well, and they managed to shut them down, really. What, the Everton one that Everton won 2-0? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> I was thinking less than Everton with a tough... T- oh, dear. No, forget it. What a disaster. No, I was forgetting. I was what a disaster. And- no, because I was thinking in my head, Everton last year, the only two hard teams they, oh, of course, won one, which was yesterday and lost the other. <laughs> for God's sake. Well, Hold basically, on. they Dave, didn't deser- do you want me to save this for some actual analysis? I was just going to say they didn't deserve to win yesterday, so it's hard to gauge them when they've won the three games you'd have expected them to win. Yeah. They won the XG yesterday. To be fair, yeah, because all of Leicester's XG was given all of Leicester's XG was given offside wrongly. Interestingly enough, um, they lost the XG against Brentford but won that game, and they lost the XG against Burnley but won that game um, comfortably beat. Yeah, they're actually behind on uh, XG versus XG against this year as well. Yeah, they they are around the right level for about XG. In terms of goals from open play, I think it was it's about four four, um, but that's that's interesting, Mike, because our, our big worry about them early on when we our big worry about them when we did our pre-season predictions, I think it was just me and you on that podcast, um, was that we were worried about a lack of a, a really clear goal scorer. Now Mopai, to his credit, I know a couple of them have been from the penalty spot. Um, he's, he's got another one, had a good start. Danny Welbeck had a good start yesterday. Trossard's given them a, some good creation out on the wing. Um, do you reckon that the worries are still there, or do you think that these are players who were good players last year but just underperformed last year? I think I really like Trossard, so I might be a bit biased on him, but I think he is a good player. If mm-hmm. he can find a bit of output, that's good. I think Mopai is also a good player, despite being a, a total knob. Um <laughs> I'm not, I'm not entirely sure he's going to be this prolific for the whole season. I don't think that's a huge take. And Welbeck's not going to score you 15 in the Premier League, probably maybe ever, but certainly not this season. They Hopefully they can find enough goals around the pitch between them. Lallana's going to probably chip in at some point. You'd expect Solly March to get one or two Yeah. as well. So, yeah, I mean, if, if they can find goals from a few more places which it looks like maybe they are starting to mm-hmm. that would allay some fears that we would have had pre-season it is worth mentioning they haven't really played anyone yet apart from Everton and Leicester have been their toughest games which as Dave said in the end they won one lost one uh, and then they've beaten uh, Brentford Watford and Burnley so three other teams that you'd expect to be down there yeah obviously you can you can only play who's in front of you and you need to win those games as Brighton, you, you need to beat those teams, which they yeah. have. Uh, it's, I would say it's probably not worth getting too far ahead of ourselves yet. No, no. It is interesting how um, last year they, on paper at least, 
they were a very good defensive team and this year they're again a good defensive team um it is interesting when you consider that um they've lost obviously the 50 million pound man Ben White and they've sort of retained that defensive solidity so Dave um how good a coach is Graham Potter and do you still want him sacked I don't want him sacked well uh what I will say is Graham Potter far better than a man like Eddie Howe um <laughs> thing is with Potters he's coached his team to be really good uh like last season they kept a lot of clean sheets it was literally just a case of conversion I'd, I've never actually doubted his cut coaching to be honest I was just more worried for them that you can't just keep no because they weren't getting results where it looked like they were going down at one point last year. I've never really doubted his coaching there is a podcast for that lasts for about an hour from last year that actually completely flies in the face to that statement as, as soon as I in, said in our, that in our podcast whatsapp Dave added to the to the pod topics Potter's Brighton finally reaping their rewards I was like what <laughs> I was like, what, but, do you not think they finally are, given that they played really well last season to come yes, 16th? No, yes. I just thought it was hilarious that you were writing it. Dave, 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 it, Dave it's the, me and Mike who spent, sat here all the last season said, yeah. no, no, Brighton are actually really good. They're just they're just really bad at finishing chances. Whereas you were there arguing last season that they should <laughs> they should create less. <laughs> and well, some will yeah. improve on their defence. But lockdown Dave has been through many different emotions. Now we're more level-headed this year. We're more level-headed this year. And what I'm saying is, Brighton are a good team, but let's not get carried away because they've not played any of the big teams yet. Where do you reckon they'll finish now? I I can see him finishing like... Let's not get carried away, but let's make a wild prediction. No, I was going to say say 11th or 12th, like comfortably mid-table without having to worry about relegation like they have the last two two or three seasons. I think that's probably a a fair point. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that seems about right to me. We had them, interestingly, we had them 12th pre-season. Yeah, so let's go in and around pod. There we go. Um, it, we'll like, revisit this when they come either way higher or 17. <laughs> like with all of this, four games is a really tiny sample size. Um, five games, sorry. Um... Mike, though, it is interesting that Potter's sort of was sort of linked tangentially with like being a less glamorous but still a good candidate for the Tottenham job over the summer. And then they sort of talked, there was rumblings that if Arsenal were to get rid of Arteta, they might look at Potter, for example. How much would a, a strong season with a squad like Brighton's, which isn't the most talented in the world. I think we could all be fair. I think there's well, way more talent. Have, uh, they do have Basuma, the best midfielder in the league. Oh, they do have Basuma, the, the, the second best midfielder in the league after J5. Um, but the squad's not amazing. It's very good. It, well, it's good, but it's not amazing. But if he was to have a really, really good season with them, we're talking like, what? I think 10th constitutes a very good season for Brighton, particularly with some of the players they've got. Do you... Uh, have, I don't think it would do his stock any harm, would it? Because you got the sense that Brighton's season was sort of held against him, although, because we all sort of were like, is it real? Are they this good? Is it real? Their league table's certainly not right. What do you think a good season could do for him? No, I think that's right. I think, yeah, you... you... He was kind of linked, but not really, uh, which is quite impressive given the, the amount of people Spurs seem to be linked with uh, this summer. I turned but, down the job. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we we might have been pretty close to getting an interview, to be honest. A bit like Ted Lasso, <laughs> really good. Um, but no, I think yeah, if you can if you can show essentially what's coming up in the stats, which we were looking at a lot last season and saying they're a good team, they're a good team. If you can put that into actual results this season and show that everything does bear out in the end, which obviously, which in theory it should do, then I think someone like Spurs, he'd be quite a good fit there because he actually plays pretty good football, um, attacking football. He's going to get the best out of some of the players you've already got there, for example, and bring in, hopefully recruit fairly well. So I think he'd be a good fit there. A better fit, I, I would say, than Nuno, but we'll see how that plays out anyway. I actually thought Nuno was impressive in the Chelsea game. What it's worth. Yeah, I didn't watch it, so you can. No, it's, that, no, no. He, he was. I, th- I, I think actually we'll come back to Leicester, but that does take us nicely into talking a bit about Spurs because Spurs got battered by Chelsea in the end, absolutely battered. But in the first half, Nuno did something that I was completely not expecting. In that, not only did he didn't. Because we all caught, we all sort of I know Mike me, you said it as well you said you think he's a bit too Mourinho for Spurs in ter- the, terms of the way that quite often he likes a low block and sort of defends deep and then sort of spring I still pace. It, to be honest no I, I I do think that is his style but yesterday he did something really interesting in that he played Kane out on the left um, tried to isolate Son versus um, Thiago Silva which is a good move. It's just a good move. I mean, Thiago Silva got the better of some, but that's because he's got immense quality. But that is the, probably the way to target it. And they pl- and Spurs just pressed really high, like really, really high. Found the gaps either side of Jorginho and actually gave Tuchel's Chelsea a, a run for their money. They they only created one real chance. They make no mistakes for the for the first forty five minutes. They they were comfortably the best team in a game that includes the Champions of Europe. But... Had to get that in, didn't they? Well, I, I just... You do have to, because you do have to sort of talk about the fact that they're not just beating Chelsea, they're beating a team that... They're very good Chelsea. They're not yeah. beating the Chelsea of two years ago, for example. And then in the second half, they, Chelsea did what they did. They made a switch and brought on a World Cup winning midfielder and then scored three goals. This will happen when you play good, really, really good teams. But I did think it was interesting that Spurs tried to actually went for something quite brave. But I know you watched the game, Dave, and me and mm-hmm. you were slightly worried about Harry Kane. Yeah. Why are he you? Just, I think with Harry Kane, it's, it's you sort of expect so much from him, but literally it felt like he didn't really even try yesterday. Um, I didn't really see any attacking intent from him. I think his only shot of note was from edge of the box. It was straight down Kepa in about, it was the 60th or 70th minute, I think. Which to be fair, chance versus Kepa. No, I mean, yeah, he put it straight at him, which is probably better than putting it at a corner against Kepa. Um, But I just, I just sort of felt like he wasn't helping Tottenham go forward at all. Like like you say, I actually thought Nuno's decision to try and get Son on Thiago Silva and Kane out wide, I actually thought that was a good idea. Um, yeah. And obviously, first half, they, they kept you to nil-nil. But when they needed to get forward, there was absolutely nothing, really. 
that Regulon chance at the start where he should have squared it to Lacelso far earlier or shot himself was really their only thing. But Kane that just one where, the one where Son had, was. Oh, yeah, sorry. He took there. a bit of a bad touch. Yeah, yeah. But from Kane himself. There just wasn't really anything there. And in these massive games, remember Kane's captain as well, you just sort of hope that he'd drive the team. And if anything, I felt he was pretty much totally anonymous. I just... He's he's been so good over the last few years that I don't even think we're expecting too much to think that in these big games he'd be like a massive presence. And he just just almost shied away, really. He did, didn't really do anything to help Tottenham, I felt. I didn't really see him on the ball or trying to get on the ball particularly. Well, he 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 created the, he did create the regular chance by sucking in Jorginho, but that was as much that was as much about Nuno's tactics as he was Harry's Kane, Harry Kane. Uh, my thing with, with Harry Kane in this game is he was so subdued. He was so like like you say it's North London derby and you're the captain and you just sort of like it's just a bit weird and he just. He just didn't talk, did he? Yeah, and then you think about the other games that he's played in this season for them, and he's he's scored he's goalless through through five games, and admittedly one as a I think four games, sorry, one as a sub, which isn't what you expect from Harry Kane, but he's just he's he, he's cutting a quite a disinterested figure, which when you consider yes. the Tottenham did start the season fairly well until last weekend and this weekend, it, it just is a bit weird, Mike. Uh, you you said to us last you said to me last week can we um can we talk about Spurs on on last week's podcast and I said do you want to save it a week because they're playing Chelsea next weekend <laughs> <laughs> that's how confident I was ladies and gentlemen um why did you want to talk about Spurs because you're not particularly enamoured are you uh not no not hugely not hugely at all um from what from what you guys have said yeah it was pretty much a good performance first half very poor second half. And that's kind of what what I've seen around <clears throat> everywhere. The first the first goal in this game, um, I think you've got Deli Ali trying to mark Thiago Silva. And there's only yep. There's only been one winner. Yeah. One winner there, uh, and then I think it's the third goal. There's just so much room for like the for the pullback. It's it's a bit of a joke really. Werner's just got so much room, cuts it back, and it's a nice finish from Rudiger. They just um, don't seem to be able to put it together for 90 minutes. Uh, no. And yeah, I mean, if Kane's if Kane doesn't become good, they're in they're in big trouble. But I mean, he's played. They've played four games. Kane's had four shots. Wow, yeah, I didn't realise it was that poor. Yeah, four shots. No, uh, ass- no assists either. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. Is he dropping a bit too deep? Now, is he, is he trying to make his own chances so much I, that he's too deep? I partially think that. I also think Harry Kane's head isn't even there, if I'm totally honest. The, the, the sort of desire that he's always had to play for Tottenham, I think, with what happened this summer, I think he's in a process of trying to get that back. I don't think he's 100% there, and I think that really reflects how he's played. I think he is obviously dropping too deep, um, but at the same time, I feel with Tottenham they've always been quite bad. And with Mourinho, yes, they were great at counter-attacking. But with this Nuno team, it looks like he doesn't really want them to play the same, which means in transition they're really lacking. So I, I don't. I, 
I, I, I do think it's it's six to one. I think they're both true. I think I think Harry. I think the fact that he didn't get his move, like we said at the time, it it, not, it never works out well. Really, it never. No. You very, you very rarely get it. Been you very rarely get the player then have playing really well for a season. So I do think I do think he's. I do think perhaps the effort levels aren't really there, which does feel weird to say about Harry Kane. But last season, in the early months, when he was dropping deep, when he he was dropping, he wasn't dropping deep. He was dropping into more of a number ten and Son, and he was trying to find Bergwijn and Son, who were cutting in, and he was pretty incisive, and he was getting assists, and it looked good. And he's just dropping deeper and deeper. I mean, I mean, I, he, at least he, to the eye test, that's what he appears. I haven't looked at his average positions. But I think, like you say, Dave, he's getting deeper and deeper. And I'm always remembered with a... I always think with a striker. I think the reason I think the reason why strikers like Edison Cavani were so good is because they just make those movements across the box. And to make those movements across the box to get you the silly goals, to get you like the little tappings, like Ronaldo got against Newcastle, for example, the goals that get you from 20... The goals that get you from 20 to 30, like Harry Kane used to be so good at, you have to be in the box to get them. And I think Hume Son's a brilliant player... I don't think I don't think the best thing to do for a Tottenham to succeed is to cater completely to his strengths as opposed to catering completely to Harry Kane's strengths. I just think the Spurs are so lacking a dynamic creator like Christian Eriksen and have been for a few years. Yeah, that Harry, that Harry Kane now is trying Harry Kane is trying to do what it, it just trying to do too much and in the process is not doing is doing everything at 80% rather than doing the things he is absolutely otherworldly at, at 100%. And yeah, not yeah. ending up at him doing basically nothing. Yeah, and I, I just think it's... Uh, I, I, although, although, like I've said, I thought Nuno's tactics were really good here and I, I, in terms of making him drop deep and trying to get Son in versus Thiago Silva. But I do think that that's all that's fine for a one-off game but they have to prioritize Kane getting a lot of touches Kane being in and around the box and having other creators and what I want to ask you to is what do you think of Deli Ali's new role because he's he's I was looking the other day he's jewels in terms of tackles and interceptions are way up but that's because he's been asked to play this this ridiculous role and I know everyone was clamoring for him to get back in the team but they were clamoring for him to get back in the team so he can get back to doing what he was good at which is scoring goals and being close to Harry Kane is like almost a jibbo. Yeah, it's kind of funny that they they put the Celso yeah. up than Deli Ali, whereas I'd have thought you'd, you'd definitely want to switch that around. Like you say, you want you want Kane and Deli Ali doing what they're best at, and where Ali has been playing is not to his strengths. Seems to be getting the best out of him, as far as I can tell. No, no. I mean, I'd like to see the old Deli Ali back. He was a he was cracking to watch. I would not, but there we are. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't really, but it'd be nice <laughs> to see something happen. No, no look, it's just the other thing I wanted to ask you is Tottenham's fitness. Do you remember when they used to play? Well, my, I, I was sat watching the. I was sat watching the um the game. Oh. No, 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 no. I was sat watching. I was sat watching the game and I was watching Tottenham press on the front. And my first thought was rather than God, this is scary. It was, was, was firstly that Chelsea would be able to play out of this. If Chelsea would be able to play out of this. And then the second thing was just going and Tottenham are not going to be able to keep this up. 
and I was right because on six, by the 60th minute Tottenham were blowing and yeah. when, you, when you think back to well Premier League years Mike and you think back to those uh, Maurizio Pochettino teams Tottenham were the fittest team in the league like, they would outrun you as much, as good as they were as a footballing side they would run you into the ground I just don't know what's happened it's strange it it's just seems like it, obviously I don't like the appointments that doesn't help but it seems like yeah things they've just kind of lost a bit of a spark at Spurs whether yeah. it's to do with the Kane situation or what they it almost didn't seem like they were playing in a derby in front of their home crowd no from what I've seen yeah it was it was really strange were pretty embarrassing no no and it, it's been continuing a trend because Chelsea have never not won at the Tottenham Stadium in the league. Really? Fun fact. Yeah. There you go. Um, you can't go around conceding three to Palace. No. Go down to ten men. No. You just can't. No. Um, yeah. Um, Spurs, not good. Who would have thought it? Um, literally anyone who's watched football over the last hundred years. Um, let's talk about Leicester. Let's go back to Leicester. Speaking of teams that are perhaps in a bad moment, uh, this one sparked by me, text, me texting you two in the middle of the week going, I'm not convinced about Leicester. And then mm. Leicester lose to Brighton. Now, we've admitted that we're not overly convinced by the um, the scoreline the score line and this game in general. But it does it does continue a worrying trend for us that we don't think Leicester are particularly as good as they were last year. Um, no. Who wants to talk about? Who wants to tell me their their biggest worries about Leicester? Uh, yeah, I think Vardy's finally getting to his uh, like past his peak. I think he's finally becoming like he's been doing exceptional the last couple of years, despite his age. I think he's getting to a point where is it with his age where he's just not not the same player that he was, which was always going to happen. I think James Madison has offered nothing this season for some reason. And I think Madison's actually a big way of how they play. He hasn't got like, an assist since assist or a goal since March or something like that. You've got you've got Tielemans doing what he does in midfield. Obviously, you've got Ndidi, who's brilliant. On Tielemans, what a pass for their goal, by the way. Yeah, he's yeah, outrageous. Brilliant. He's brilliant. He's outrageous. He's a good player. But I think it's I think the defenders' defense is is frustrating with him with Fofana. Obviously, he got injured pre-season. I actually don't. I don't think looking at Leicester they have massive defensive woes unless I've missed something. It more seems like they're uh, miss- Chu. I haven't watched just a the, lot of them well, I'll be Just honest. a woeful player. Like I don't know really? why. Really? That, every time I watch Soyuncu play, he makes a mistake. Every single time I watch him play, I just I I I, 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 I don't think Vestergaard fits that well yet either. And and they started Ryan Bertrand at left back, which is I mean, that's- I mean I mean, you've got two players there who are part of a team that lost 9-0 twice. Yeah, I was going to say that. What's going on here, lads? Uh, Come on. I do think that the lack of creativity is a problem, though, because last season, as in not lack of creativity as a whole, just the fact they've got a creative player out there, James Madison, who frankly isn't creating or doing anything. And when that happens, you're essentially essentially playing with 10 men because he doesn't offer doesn't offer a lot going back if he's doing nothing going forward Dave here I, you go if you uh, the, for the first time sorry to interrupt you but for the first time in recorded history ladies and gentlemen there are stats that back up what Dave is saying <laughs> um so Dave their XG in games 
games this season. 0.67 against Wolverhampton compared to 1.33 to Wolverhampton. And they won that game. 0.63 against against West Ham. So they lost the XG there. Red cards, that's fair enough. They lost the XG to Norwich. Yeah, 1-2-1. One, one. They lost the XC to Man, XG to Man City. 0.8 they created to Manchester City's 2.75. And obviously they lost the XG to Brighton, as we've already said, with the, the problems around there. But they, they just... I'm 100% agree with you, Dave. For for their for the attacking talent they have in Harvey Barnes, and um, fantastic Jamie player Vardy. by the way, Harvey yeah, Barnes. What player? Jamie Jamie Vardy, Ian Acho, and all this. They just they feel stodgy. Yeah, you know? it's like it's like whatever spark they had, even at the end of last season, somehow gone. Mm. When I've watched them, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's a weird one with Leicester. It is very weird. The uh, uh, Lookman looked good actually off the bench. Lookman's a good player, I think. I don't know what his level is yet, but I think he's a good player. He, he looked. He actually looked like a, a bit of a spark when he came on, from what I've seen from the highlights. Things yeah. started happening once he came on. But yeah, I mean, Vardy's still their top scorer with three. But I I agree with what Dave said. He doesn't look like the same player. He just doesn't. No, no. And what made Leicester so terrifying, and the reason why you, was they were actually quite a difficult team to play a high line against, was that Jamie Vardy pace. What I found interesting is uh, we a lot coming into the season, a lot of the worries that we spoke about on that podcast, Mike, were about the Ian Acho um, experience from last year, saying that he was so red hot with four it sort of papered over these cracks. Because this, to me, this has been a trend for about half a season now that they're not creating as much. And then it's been a total non-event because Ian Atcher has made five appearances this season, all from the subs bench. Yeah. He was arguably one of their best players last year. He's probably one of the best players in the entire league in the second half of the season. Yeah, it is a bit bit odd, isn't it? I, I don't know what he does in training, but it can't be good. No. Yeah, to not be playing. <laughs> I can't understand why you wouldn't get a start or two. I really no. can't. No, but on on the Jamie Vardy decline, which isn't really really steep, it's because it, he it's kind of declining from a from a guy who is is a Premier League great. Let's be honest as well with Vardy. He's been overachieving for it, like his age for a long long time. Yeah. People yeah. kept thinking Vardy's going to fall off now. He's going to fall off now. Yeah. He's been but keeping it up for years. For, in in the age of modern medicine, football footballers' ages are a bit more irrelevant as opposed to minutes played. I think it's why when it's Often like you can add a year, a couple of years, can't you now to what their actual ages? Yeah, like look at like look at Rooney. Like Rooney was, Rooney was a thirty-six-year-old man by the time he was twenty-eight. Um, but um, we talk about Leicester's recruitment, and we've talked about it for years. Has been like they. They sell Maguire, they go and get in Fafana. They sell Chilwell, they've got James Justin, Timothy Castagna ready to walk in the door. They sell Kante, they get in Didi. Um, and I know I'm asking you, why haven't they not replaced their greatest ever player in Jamie Vardy? But who is the, who is the heir apparent to Jamie Vardy? Well, they've signed Patson Dacker as well, who in theory should be... A decent player, but I mean, the problem I don't like with Dakar is he's going from Salzburg to the Prem, and the only player recently that did that was Minamino, and and he is not good. So 
it's hard to say what Daka could be like. Ian Nacho, obviously, he's a second striker, not a nine. Yeah, he's still, and he's still not trusted to even check, be good enough for them to sort of ch- change to be the best they can around him. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the heck they're thinking in terms of. I don't think they have a a plan for life after Vardy. Still, I think they're still trying to use him as much as they can, which is a bit of a a worry when obviously just this season noticeably doesn't seem at the same level. He's the same exceptional level. I don't think he's bad. He's just not at that level that he was. Yeah, yeah. probably the biggest one they needed to get right. They probably they haven't yet by the looks of it. Yeah. Say, um, it's hard, it's worth saying it's hard to find a striker like, like it's hard to find a striker, full stop. But you are Vardy, Vardy, uh, also such a unique player. I'm not sure if there's any really been anyone like him before, and I'm not sure there'll be someone like him after as good as and unique as he is, to be yeah, honest. They, they'd probably have to change the style a bit. It is hard, like I say, it's hard to find a striker, certainly hard to find one like Vardy, as Dave says, but it's. It seems to be the the one that they've really misfired yeah. on, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, it's com- all their attacking woes have been compounded by they they aren't playing well at the back. I mean, expected goals in five games of of conceding seven isn't great. Um, it's not awful, but it isn't great. Um, and to be honest, <laughs> do you know, Spent, I I just think that. Leicester look to me like a tired team. Leicester look to me like it's sort of the fact that they've been so good for two years and not had the reward for it. Yeah, is weighing on them. And they've got the Europa League again, and they're all a year older. And it's the Sunday to Thursday grind. But I'm not worried about them. But I'm not. I'm not like sitting here going they're a shoe in for the top five. Like I was last year, for example. Oh, yeah, I'd have thought they'll be probably fighting for Europa League again. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even, maybe even yeah. really on the fringes of that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it probably won't be quite as good a season as we've gotten accustomed to from Leicester. No. It's just sad because no. I like Leicester. Yeah, I do too. Beautiful character. Um, That'll do us for this week. Um been a fun 47 minutes we got off brighton fairly quickly who would have thought that um dave <laughs> if if the people want to find more from you where can they find you uh it's at dave harris underscore 44 but like will says if you uh want to put an earphone in a, a bin it could be as useful yeah yeah <laughs> get more sense um Mike, if the people want to follow you to find out more about john linson's crazy assist where can they do that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Mikey Crazy. Crazy. God. <laughs> and at, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter, so yeah. There we just go. the second time in case you in case you missed out on the Joel Linton assist this this weekend. Oh. <laughs> um Mike, how did the bet the betting podcast obviously no episode last week, but you did make your picks. How did you get on? Yeah, sorry about the lack of episode, but uh we got our picks up on the Twitter, so uh, I'll try and get them up always on there anyway. Uh, I was one out of four, Henry two out of four, so we made a slight loss. <laughs> did did you? I noticed you picked the Dons. Did they come in? They they were the only one that did actually get unbelievable, them, which is incredible. Unbelievable. Um, and Luton were three 0 up for me at half time, so I kind of banked that as as a winner. And Swansea came back, and it was a three three draw. 
<laughs> Excellent. Um, if you want to find the Twitter, it's at In and Around Pod. It's all we're also at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including Mum's Net. Um, you can follow me at Will Hunt Seventeen. Um, but please don't please step follow the uh, the In and Around account. Um, we will be back next week to discuss a few things. Um, we will we'll probably be talking about City Chelsea, Mike, which is at twelve thirty, which has an ominous look about it already, doesn't it? Yeah. The old 12.30s always spring a surprise, don't did they? You, did you know there's two 12.30s next week? I actually, <laughs> funnily enough, yeah, I have seen this because I was it, looking ahead to next weekend. What? Why? I, I, do, what, uh, what, I don't know what the scheduling geniuses over at uh, the Premier League are doing, but Man, Man United Villa, which is a big game, are at 12.30. That is a big game in the race for seventh. <laughs> No, but seriously though, that's 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 quite a good game, and it's not on the telly because Chelsea Man City's on the telly, rightly so I think. Um, uh, well, yeah, you'd rather watch that, but what are we doing putting that a, a second half twelve kickoff on a Saturday? Come on, guys. yeah. Um, also, the North London we'll be reacting to the North London derby. Um, probably won't be spending too much time on Spurs unless somehow they've. They've lost by like five goals to Arteta. Which yeah, they lose three 0 for the third consecutive week. To Arsenal as well. Ooh, yeah, I can't dear. wait for it. Oh dear! A couple of other, a couple of nice fixtures next weekend. To be honest, um, and we'll be reacting to them here. Um, maybe we'll do a live stream the week after for PSG Man City. You never know. We might very well do. We might very well do. Um, but until next time, we'll uh, we'll see you around. Sorry, I sorry, I just got distracted because what I realised, Mark, is on the Wednesday Chelsea are playing Chelsea as well. Yeah, Yeah, I just realised that as well. Yeah, Christ, and Man United are playing Villarreal. Oh Oh, no, no, that is a game not to be watched. That is a game not to watch. Absolutely. Anyway, bye. Cheers.